Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. The Dog Show is brought to you in part by The Natural Pet Pantry, providing raw and cooked healthy diets for your dog and cat. You can find them online at naturalpetpantry.com, both located in stores and also available for home delivery. The Dog Show is also brought to you in part by All the Best Pet Care, all the best food, treats, and toys for your dog and cat. You can find The Natural Pet Pantry there as well. You can find them online at allthebestpetcare.com to see where all of their nine locations are around western Washington. We have a guest with us today. We're just going to jump right into it. Um, Talking with, first in the first segment here, Kathleen Summers, who is the Director of Outreach and Research for the Humane Society of the United States. Welcome to the dog show, Kathleen. Thank you, Julie. And I... uh, received an email from my station about uh, some current events happening with a a group of um, many different, um, actually, organizations, which is really cool for me to see everybody sort of joining forces, um, the ASPCA, the Humane Society of the United States, among others, around puppy mills. And there is a... um, uh, something called the retail rule that um, you're trying to put into put into place to help protect dogs who suffer in puppy mills, and especially focused on sort of uh, how things have evolved with online purchasing and how there's this gap of it's not so much pet stores anymore. They are still, they certainly do still exist, but there's this whole online phenomenon now that's happening where people are just going to websites and buying dogs, and most of these dogs, or a lot of them anyway, come from puppy mills. That's right. Um, The current Animal Welfare Act was written over 40 years ago before the Internet existed, Mm. and um, this rule, which has been proposed by the USDA, um, would close a loophole that allows people to... um, sell animals online, sight unseen, uh, without any kind of licensing or inspections. Uh, So a lot of, although a lot of breeders who sell to pet stores, most of the breeders who sell puppies to pet stores are inspected by USDA. Some of the breeders who are so um, substandard that they don't even meet USDA requirements, which are fairly minimal, Mm -hmm. are still selling online, sight unseen, and of course, very often they have beautiful websites with cute puppies right. on them that make them look like small family breeders, right. and nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. Um, so today, our coalition of groups, which included ASPCA and the Humane Society of the United States, uh, delivered approximately 350,000 letters and signatures from concerned citizens to the USDA in support of closing this loophole. Mm, that's great. Such an important... Uh, movement to happen because the suffering that happens in puppy mills is not okay. It just should not be should not be legal, and this will at least help to minimize that. Um, you know, and we could talk for hours about this this topic, um, but but to keep to the point. Um, so what you're saying is that because of you said 40 years ago the laws were written, and this was before the internet. Mm-hmm. And so there are establishments that are able to sell puppies 
online and just ship them, you know, anywhere. And um, these facilities sort of miss the, like they're not on the list, so to speak, for inspection by the USDA? That's right. And and some of these facilities sell hundreds and hundreds of puppies every year. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to clarify for your listeners um, who may not be familiar with puppy mills, uh, puppy mills are commercial breeding facilities that, that churn out um, sometimes hundreds or even thousands of puppies a year for the pet trade, um, and they put a, a priority of profit over the welfare of the animals. So in other words, the breeding animals at these puppy mills are often kept in small cages for their entire lives, mm. um, small wire-floored cages that are stacked on top of one another solely to produce puppies for the pet trade. Mm-hmm. Um, they very often don't get, ex- they don't get taken out for exercise, they don't get adequate veterinary care. They don't get clean food and water. Um, they often have never even felt grass under their mm-hmm. feet or a friendly touch from a human being. Mm-hmm. So um, this this is the suffering that's often going on at these puppy mills behind the cute puppies that you see on the website. Mm-hmm. And the cute puppies in the pet stores as well. That's right. So, that's right. yeah, it just... it blows my mind. I mean, first of all, to to think and to know that there are dogs existing in this way legally um, is insane to me. And also, especially given the fact that it's like, what, four million-ish dogs a year are euthanized because they don't have, you know, because of overpopulation. So we have that, that number. And then we have facilities basically mass producing puppies at the same time. It's like... You That's know. right. And and if that wasn't bad enough, it's under these horrific conditions. Right. Um, and then, of course, when those breeding dogs are no longer able to produce large numbers of puppies, they're often simply killed. Yeah. Now, so you have um, submitted uh, over 350,000 letters and signatures. And who did you submit them to? Uh, we submitted them to the United States Department of Agriculture. Okay. Um, they are charged with enforcing the Federal Animal Welfare Act. And so you're asking them to, what are, the, what are you specifically asking them to do? Uh, we're asking them to close the loophole, mm-hmm. uh, which they, they have proactively proposed a rule that would close that loophole, at least for those who are selling online, um, selling puppies and kittens online, sight unseen, and who have more than uh, four breeding females. So mm-hmm. there is an exemption in there for the, for the very small home breeders, um, but those who have more than four female dogs and sell online would have to be licensed and inspected. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that being licensed and inspected by the USDA means you're not a puppy mill. Um, right. There's the, the standards under the Animal Welfare Act are fairly minimal. They do require the animals have um, clean enclosures and food and water and uh, a certain amount of protection from the elements. Um, but... Uh, it's certainly better than these facilities never being inspected at all and never seeing the light of day. Mm-hmm. Now, what would need to happen in order to amend the Animal Welfare Act to, I mean, to me, it's, it's inadequate. So, what, I mean, what would that take? Well, that would, that would take a new law yeah. um, to change the actual act. Um, this proposal would change uh, would change the Animal Welfare Act regulations, mm-hmm. um, so the way that the act is applied. Um, there is um, there is a, an act in Congress called the Pups Act, 
which would require the regulation of anybody selling more than 50 puppies a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would also require the dogs to be let out of their cages uh, at least for an hour a day for exercise. Mm. So that would be another way to help address the problem. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, um, at, at least USDA has taken this step to, they, they have recognized that there is a big problem with um, substandard breeders selling online, and they are willing to inspect those breeders. So that would be, it definitely would not solve the puppy mill problem nationwide, but it would yeah. it would be a start. Yeah. And um, now does the USDA, um, do they have the, you know, I mean, it's one thing to ha- to say that you're on the list to be inspected. Do you know, can you speak to how well they're able, like staffing-wise, to actually do the inspections? Well, staffing is always a challenge for an agency that has to inspect thousands of of animal facilities. Um, But we have noticed that over the past five years, the number of licensed breeders that are licensed with the USDA has actually gone down close to 40%. Um, So they they have fewer breeders to inspect at this time. And we think that that's because a lot of them are converting to internet sales specifically Mm. to avoid being regulated. I see. So what is it about, so internet sales, I mean, I can't tell you. So what I do here in Seattle is I work with dogs in training and behavior. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how, I mean, I always ask people where they got their dog, you know, and of course, you know, people get dogs from shelters or rescue groups or breeders or online mm-hmm. or, you know, a pet store too. But And then when they say, oh, well, you know, online, and then I say, oh, where did you get your dog from? Oh, it was shipped from where, you know, Missouri or, you know, something like that. And it's like, oh, you know, I know that it's very, very likely that it's probable that this dog came from a puppy mill. So the problem with online is that, well, one, they're not need they're not on the list basically to be inspected by the USDA. Correct. But they can say anything. You can say anything online. You can say it's family owned. You you can essentially blatantly lie, you know, put up, you can get pictures from anywhere. Mm-hmm. You can basically make up a story or, or a front about what, you know, what, what kind of puppies they're selling, what kind of establishment it is. Make it look pretty, make it sound good. And the reality is that these dogs could be living in horrible, horrible conditions where they're sick, they're matted, their um, paws are on wire, they never walk on grass, they are isolated. I mean, the where the food is rotten and they, I mean, it's horrible conditions. And the problem is that by purchasing a puppy from this establishment, it's supporting the industry. That's true. And, and people often don't know what they're dealing with when, when they're thinking of a heart, something as heartwarming as bringing home a new puppy to yeah. be a member of their family, often their guard is down and they're online. They're reading a website that says all the right things, and they see these adorable pictures of, of clean, healthy-looking puppies, and they simply don't expect to be lied to to such an extent. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, we have seen the situation time and time again where uh, a breeder has a beautiful website um, and we go to the facility and see a horrible reality with mm. rusty, dirty cages stacked on top of one another, yeah. um, sick animals. Yeah. Um, 
we even had an inspector go into a facility one time, and you know, it was a terrible barn with, as I mentioned, the stack cages, the sick animals, the, the horrible fumes of ammonia from, mm. from the urine. Yeah. And in the corner of that barn, there was an easy chair with a home-knit Afghan on it. And the breeder actually told our inspector, that's my, that's my Internet chair. That's where I put the puppies when I'm taking their pictures for the Internet. Right. So this, this, this picture that you see of a puppy on a, on a chair with a little blanket, um, that, that puppy may have been sitting on that blanket for five minutes, and that's right. the only time he's ever been out of a cage. Yeah. So it's so important if you're going to purchase a purebred dog and that's the route that you're going to go as opposed to adoption from a shelter or rescue group, um, how, you know, what are some main things that you can recommend that people do no matter what? Well, the most important thing is to always visit the breeder in person, mm-hmm. uh, visit the breeder, see what the mother and father dog look like and where all her animals are living. Make yeah. sure it's a, a clean area, a spacious area, and a place where you feel that you would keep your dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you need recommendations for a good breeder, one place to start is, is a national breed club mm-hmm. uh, or your veterinarian. Yeah. Um, but even if you get a referral from one of these places, you, you do still need to check it out on your own. Yeah. I always recommend people check with local breed groups, like you said, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we have tons of them here, and so they are going to know. I mean, most of them are breeders themselves, but usually if they're enthusiasts and they're participating in performance events and, you know, really active with their dogs, they're going to know who the good breeders are, and they'll be able to give you a good referral as well. But I think the first thing, like you said, is the most important is to go there yourself in person no matter what, even if you have to fly. Yeah. Absolutely. A, a car ride of a few hours or even an airplane flight is is nothing compared to the amount of time you're going to spend with your dog once once you bring a new dog into your family and have him right. for 10 to 15 years. Right. Well, Kathleen, time flies. Um, thank you so much. Kathleen is the Director of Outreach and Research for the Humane Society of the United States. Thank you so much for the work that you do. I've posted a bunch of links um, around this with um, some information from the Humane Society of the United States on the Dog Show website, which is dogradioshow.com. Kathleen, thanks so much for your time and for the work that you do. All right. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a few minutes with the Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. For more than 25 years, All the Best Pet Care has been helping people choose the best foods, treats, and toys for their dogs and cats. They are a locally owned family business bringing about little miracles every day by following the Mother Nature model of nutrition. Stop by to meet their adoption cats, schedule an anesthesia-free dental cleaning, or bring your dog to the toy testing area. Visit their new store in Edmonds next to the PCC and their expanded Redmond store in the Whole Foods Plaza. To learn more, go to allthebestpetcare.com or follow them on Facebook. 
This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Jones and Company Pets in Marysville, we cover the world of animals. This week, August 19th, it's a Kevin and Kim Sunday. That means Kevin McDonald and Kim Miller Medium and Animal Intuitive host the show for me. Tune in for great conversation and open phone lines throughout the show. Kim can help you connect with your animal or human loved ones on this side or the other. Plan to give her a call on Martha Norwalk's Animal World Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. For home repair, remodel, and construction advice, ideas, and stories every Saturday at 10 a.m., tune in to Constructing Whatever. With over 40 years of combined experience, hosts Tim and Lynn talk about whatever, from important need-to-know topics to fielding your questions from the latest industry news to humorous stories from the job site. Start your weekend project day with us on Constructing Whatever. This week, your mama don't dance and your daddy don't rock and roll. Saturday, 10 a.m. Hi, this is Julie Forbes, your host of The Dog Show and owner of Sensitive Dog, Dog Training and Behavior. Invisible Fence Northwest uses a balanced, gentle approach to help dogs learn their boundaries. I've seen it firsthand. They work with each person and pet as an individual and teach in a way that is fun and respectful. Your dog quickly learns it has freedom and fair boundaries so is safe, happy, and secure. Isn't that what we all want for our dogs? Save $100 when you visit InvisibleFenceNW.com or call 800-800-FENCE and tell them you are a dog show fan. They're there for the life of your pet. Specializing in spinal decompression, chiropractic, and physiotherapy, Dr. Justin Favreau and his team uses integrative, evidence-based treatments to provide his patients with comprehensive care that works with the body-as-a-whole connected system. Director of the Advanced Rehabilitation and Wellness Center, Dr. Favreau would love to find a solution for your symptoms of pain, numbness, and tingling headaches, allergies, fatigue, and general malaise. Contact Dr. Favreau at 206-497-4962 or go to advancedrehabandwellness.com. That's advancedrehabandwellness.com. Proud to bring variety to your radio dial. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. This is not Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. The Dog Show is brought to you in part by Invisible Fence Northwest. Invisible Fence for the life of your pet. Find them online at InvisibleFenceNW.com. We're back now with Deborah Press, who is the Regulatory Affairs Manager of Government Relations with the ASPCA. Welcome to the show, Deborah. Thank you so much. So we were just talking in the last segment, if you're just tuning in, we were talking with Kathleen Summers with the Humane Society of the United States about this retail rule that is um, trying to get put in place for uh, to require that people who sell puppies online, sight unseen, that they essentially be added to the USDA list of for inspection and why this is important, and if you've missed any of this show, any part of this show, or any of our last over 180 episodes, you can find them all archived online at dogradioshow.com. You can also find us on iTunes as a free audio podcast, so you can download us there as well. Just search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Now, Deborah, who is clearly a very intelligent person because you graduated (laughs) from the University of Vermont, as did I, um, 
Will you let us know about um, the, the ASPCA has a campaign called No Pet Store Puppies. Tell us about that. Sure. Um, so, you know, the, the ASPCA commissioned a national study a while back and discovered that the public is largely uninformed about where puppies in pet stores come from. And they don't know that a large, that, that you know, most of these dogs, if not all of them, come from puppy mills. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we learned from this study that 70%, 78% of all adults nationwide um, don't know where puppies in pet stores come from. And 80% of those surveyed wouldn't purchase a puppy at a pet store if they knew the truth mm-hmm. that pet store puppies come from puppy mills. Mm. So in response to this, the ASPCA launched a national campaign called No Pet Store Puppies, mm-hmm. which you can find at nopetstorepuppies.com. And um, we ask people to take the pledge um, not to buy anything from any pet store that sells puppies. Boycott. So, so exactly. Yep. It's consumer activism. So, yep. you know, we're, even if you're, you're not purchasing a puppy, clearly don't buy a puppy from a, a pet store. Mm-hmm. But if you're just a cat owner and you're, buying your, your kitty litter at the, the local pet store and they sell puppies, we, we ask that you take the pledge not to buy anything from that pet store. Mm-hmm. And how is the campaign, how are you spreading the word about the campaign? Um, well, we've got, we've got a very active Facebook campaign. Okay. Um, and at this point, more than 100,000 consumers mm-hmm. have signed that pledge. So we're getting the word out through the website, through the Facebook campaign. Um, we've got actually some really um, hilarious YouTube videos mm-hmm. um, out there. So um, it's, it's the, the word is getting out. Um, we also, the website also has a terrific map where you can find pet stores in your area that sell puppies. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can, you can educate yourself about, about retailers um, in your area that are selling puppies. Yeah, I'm on the site right now, and there's a lot of great information about puppy mills, about online puppy mills specifically, um, where to get a dog. If you're like, okay, well, what do I do then? How do I get a dog? Mm-hmm. And then um, where to shop and where not to shop, like you said, Um, so, and then there's a Facebook link. So that website is nopetstorepuppies.com. It's very, very, it's a very covered up deal, clearly from the research that you did showing that 78% of adults don't know where pet store puppies come from. Like they just, they don't even know. They don't, oh, puppy mills. I mean, and, and it's shocking to me that I hear this with my clients locally when I'm working, when I'm doing training and behavior work with people is if I were, I'm working with someone who got their dog from a pet store, it's like, Oh, (laughs) but they, you know, and then I'll let them know and they had no idea. And so this is how they're actually able obviously to stay in business because if people knew, which was the other part of your research, if people knew 80% of them wouldn't shop, there and it, you know similar I mean this is throughout the industry throughout really all industries but throughout pet industry I mean it happens with pet food as well if most people knew what was actually in a lot of these foods I'm sure they wouldn't buy it but they don't know exactly and you know the same goes for breeders who are selling 
directly to the public, not not just through um, pet stores. And this is something that that new USDA retail pet store proposed rule, um, you know, is, is supposed to address. You know, we these dogs are shipped sight unseen. Nobody is laying eyes on them, mm-hmm. not the customer and not the USDA. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really important. And, and if you're, even if you're, you know, going to a breeder, it's always so important that you see the conditions that those dogs were raised in. Yeah. Always go in person. And not only that, I mean, that's like, if nothing else, go in person and at least make sure that the puppies are kept in uh, clean, you know, healthy, that, that you feel good there. And, um, you know, because that also translates, I mean, once you take the dog home too, you know, not only potential health issues that the dog may have, uh, but also as far as house training, you know, has the puppy learned to keep the area that it's living in clean? Has it learned to go potty sort of away from where they're, they're sleeping and playing? I mean, there's a lot of important things on the other end of it as well for people to consider um, in addition to the animal welfare issues, really, and the moral issues around it. Yeah, yeah, and social socialization is huge. I mean, these animals spend their lives in tiny cages. They don't get to interact normally with other dogs, and um, and you know there can be behavioral problems as well when you get them home. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with some people who have adopted um, puppy mill breeders. You know, dogs that were essentially rescued from a puppy mill environment and never you know, walked on grass before, never lived outside of a cage, never had interaction with people or the interaction, the little interaction that they did have was not uh, not pleasant. And uh, these dogs are just traumatized. I mean, they're they're just shut down. They, you know, I've seen a lot of them. The people I think that adopt these dogs are angels because the the patience that it takes and, and it there's certainly progress that can be made, but it's often very slow, especially if a dog has been years in a puppy mill environment. Yeah, those breeding dogs are just the most vulnerable mm. dog. I mean, you think about these puppies um, suffering, but the the breeding females are truly the most vulnerable dogs in yeah. this industry. You know, they're treated like breeding stock, yeah. and they're bred until they've outlasted their utility in the industry and and oftentimes they're just left to die and pregnancy is very very hard physically difficult on yeah. uh, on these dogs so those people who adopt those dogs yeah they they deserve a lot of kudos uh, well as always it seems unfortunately we have to educate the consumer and that we can't rely on authorities to you know deal with this and make it right um, so it's all about education and that's what you all are doing in your efforts with your campaign, no pet store puppies. Uh, you can find that at no pet store Take the pledge, tell your friends, don't assume that people know where puppies come from in pet stores or online as well. You know, educate people, get the word out. Uh, you can find them on Facebook as well and, uh, you know, support that campaign and help them in getting the word out. And then with this uh, retail rule that um, you have joined forces with some other organizations to get this in place, it's, you know, a step in the right direction for sure. There's still a long way to go. Um, 
that we have facilities mass producing puppies in the first place is insane to me, given how many dogs get euthanized every year because of overpopulation. Um, but, <laughs> you know, never a dull moment. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, of course, we, we're the ASPCA, so your adoption is, is always the best way to go. And, yeah. you know, if you're looking for a purebred animal, as you know, one in four dogs in shelters are purebred. So, yeah. um, there's a lot of pure breed dog rescues as well, which oh, are thanks. great. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, now, one thing before we uh, before we say goodbye, um, another thing online to be careful about is to not. Unfortunately, I was very disappointed to read this that um, just because a uh, a website says that their dogs are registered with the American Kennel Club does not make them exempt from this. And I was disappointed to see that that's sort of an area that's lacking um, in, in the support of this and that a lot of these places are registered with the American Kennel Club. And um, that doesn't really say much, which is disappointing. But just to let people know if they see, oh, well, it's American Kennel Club, you know, these puppies must be, you know, these dogs must be of quality if they're, if they're purebred. And that's not the case either. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And HSUS put out a great report on on the AKC recently, mm-hmm. um, which I recommend everybody check out. Um, but you know, if you're looking for criteria to find a responsible breeder, um, you know, ASPCA has that information on its website. I'm sure HSUS does too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but exactly, an AKC um, registration doesn't doesn't count for much. Yeah. Again, that website is nopetstorepuppies.com. You can go there for lots of great information and to take the pledge. And you can also find them on Facebook as well. Help spread the word. Um, thanks so much for the work that you do, Deborah, and for taking the time to be on the dog show today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Julie. All right. Take care. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a few minutes with the dog show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. You wired me awake and hit me with the hand of broken nails. You tied my lead and pulled my chain to watch my blood begin to boil. But I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my, gonna break my rusty cage and run. Do you have an injury, old or new, that won't heal? Are you fighting a colder illness you can't kick? Do you feel like you've tried everything and are still struggling to find wellness and balance in your physical health? Have you been unimpressed with acupuncture in the past? For over a decade, Robert Meduzia has been making a difference for people who thought they had exhausted their options. Don't settle for pain and illness. Call 425-828-6190. That's 425-828-6190. Again, 425-828-6190. The Acupuncture and Sports Clinic of Kirkland. Heal faster, play longer. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair discusses issues that are important to you, like good health and well-being, finding a new job and building your business, overcoming life's big challenges and making sense out of chaos, and living with passion and joy. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific for Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. 
See conversationslive.net for show schedule and guest information. Do you have legal questions? Need to know where to turn? Hi, this is Rick Gregorick, your host of Northwest Legal Compass. Northwest Legal Compass will address your questions on a variety of legal topics, including estate planning, asset protection, real estate and business planning, and more. The legal and accounting staff of Gregorick and Associates are dedicated to providing you with superior legal and tax services. Their integrated counsel is geared to the achievement of your goals. Visit us on the web at rjglegal.com. Be sure and tune in every Friday at noon here on Alternative Talk 1150. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's Dog Behavior Training and Nutrition Specialist www.sensitivedog.com Get current weather, traffic, and news. Visit 1150kknw.com and stay informed with Alternative Talk 1150 a.m. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You know, on my way here, I was thinking to myself, Gosh, I wonder if there's a song about like cages or breaking <laughs> out of a cage. And um, we just had a, a whirlwind first couple segments um, talking in the first segment with Kathleen Summers, who's the director of outreach and research for the Humane Society of the United States. And then in the second segment, Deborah Press with the ASPCA. She's the uh, regulatory affairs manager of ASPCA government relations. We were talking about puppy mills and uh, something that they are um, requesting be added to the Animal Welfare Act. Um, It is a retail rule, so it's including uh, people selling online, um, selling puppies sight unseen online um, to basically be added to the USDA's list for inspection because they have not been up until this point, and, uh, you know, the Animal Welfare Act was written in, uh, for about 40 years ago, and that was before the Internet. So uh, great work, um, great work. There's a great website, uh, nopetstorepuppies.com. Take the pledge and uh, spread the word. This is a big one, probably one of the biggest issues in the dog world, I would say. Uh, never a dull moment here on the dog show, and, um, you know, anyway... I started the segment talking about thinking, gosh, I wonder if there's a song for Puppy Mills. And sure enough, Eric found it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I think that's actually about dogs, too, that song, right? It's not just about breaking out of a rusty cage. Well, it's about any kind of animal that's caged in and uh, yeah. decides to break out. Ugh, I wish they could. And that's one of the things about this is that they can't defend themselves. And so they need us to be advocates for them. So, uh, And that was a Soundgarden song originally. So it's Seattle Connection. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, it's hot out. I don't like this kind of heat. I'm from, well, I'm from New England. It gets even hotter there, but mm. um, it's hot. Very it hot. Yeah, it's, it's toasty. And uh, if you are taking your dog for a walk today, probably still a good thing, but maybe early on or late evening, but make sure you 
hydrate, right? Yes. That's important. And it brings up uh, one of the other topics for today's show, given how hot it is. Uh, something that's been on my mind a lot about dogs is is heat and how people really need to be careful about uh, their dogs in hot weather um, because dogs don't sweat like people do. Mm-hmm. Dogs regulate their body temperature through panting, mostly. And I was reading about this because I wanted to know um, the science geek in me wanted to know exactly what is happening in the body when a dog is panting. How does that actually cool them? And um, it was interesting. It's actually um, some evaporation in the lungs happens. So um, actually internally, like internal evaporation in the lungs. And um, how dogs really are not, they're the way that their bodies keep themselves cool is not as effective as ours because Mm. people sweat. Mm -hmm. And apparently dogs only sweat through their paws, but uh, that's not the way that they, that is not the way that they... um, Not through their nose? No. Just the paws? Yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So if the dog's nose is wet, that's not sweat. No, <laughs> no. That's a whole nother show. Okay. Why your dog? I actually saw that question when I was looking for information about this. Um, for other questions, why are dogs' noses cool and wet? Mm-hmm. No. Um, so, you know, only through breathing. Now, when the air is hot, it's even that much harder because the air that they're breathing in is hot air. Mm-hmm. So even harder to even harder to cool themselves. Of course, I mean, you know, how many how many times do we have to hear about a dog being left in a hot car and killed as a result of it for people to know not to do it at all, but also to be careful about, you know, making sure that dogs have access to shade if they're outside, um, being careful about activity. Um, my mom asked me yesterday, what do you think about people biking with their dogs? And I was like, well... I've seen people do it, and I knew it was sort of she had another question in mind when she asked me, and mm-hmm. she saw somebody doing it uh, with a couple dogs, I think, um, you know, in the in the hottest part of the day, and that would be a concern to me. Is are Now, they was the dog riding me? the bike with <laughs> them or just running, running along with Running them? with, okay. yeah. And, I mean, I think the true is for, same is true for jogging, and, you know, I've seen people running with their dogs, and the dogs are really lagging far behind, and... You know, people need to be aware of their dogs and take care of them and make sure that that they're, you know, able to do what they're asking them to do when when it gets this hot, especially people who have dogs that are brachycephalic, which is the like smushed in face type dogs, pugs, bulldogs, French bulldogs, those guys, uh, they're even more compromised in their ability to cool themselves. So, um just be very, very careful about keeping your dogs cool. Um, and if you do suspect that your dog is suffering from heat stroke, be sure to take them to the to your vet or emergency vet right away. If you do find that your dog is overheated, though, a good thing to know is to not like put them in a bath of ice water because you don't want to shock them. Um, you don't want to go and um, shock their overheated system with ice, um, cool, or even room temperature water. Um, to help them cool down, but to help the body cool down um, 
you know, without shocking it is important. Um, they do do some cooling in their ears when my dogs are hot, just for comfort wise, I'll often put some water on their inside of their ears and their armpits and their bellies where they have actually some skin exposed. Um, cause I imagine that that must feel good if they're hot, but just be so careful because it's so hot and I just hate to see dogs that are just stuck in the sun. Um, you know, without shade, just obviously uncomfortably panting. I worry about their comfort and their safety as well. So just be real careful about that. Um, we have, Eric, you're a lucky dog today. Well, your cats are lucky dogs, <laughs> so to speak, because I brought them a treat. I brought them a um, a sample of Natural Pet Pantry Raw frozen cat food. Oh, I know they'll love that. So yes. Thank you very much. It's chicken formula. They have other formulas as well. Natural Pet Pantry is a new partner to the dog show. And so you'll be hearing them, um, hearing me say, Dog Show is brought to you by Natural Pet Pantry in addition to Invisible Fence Northwest and all the best pet care. We are in good company here on the dog show. Uh, Natural Pet Pantry is a locally made raw, raw and cooked frozen food for dogs and cats. I've fed Natural Pet Pantry to my dogs for years. Um, They've been longtime supporters of the show, and um, I can't recommend them highly enough. And they're great because for a number of reasons, the quality of the product, but also the availability, you can buy them through retail store. They have a retail store in Burien here locally. Uh, They're also sold in smaller independent natural pet stores like All the Best Pet Care. And you can also sign up for their home delivery, which is a great option for people, especially people who have freezer space to, um, you know, get a a month's worth at a time. You can get their home delivery, which is super convenient as well. Uh, Naturalpetpantry.com. It is just amazing the difference feeding uh, raw and cooked food can make for your pet as opposed to processed dry food and canned food um, because it's just actual food. I have seen miraculous results from this. Um, and the Natural Pet Pantry also has the ability to do to work with your vet to specially formulate a prescription diets as well, which is huge because I have worked with so many people who have their dogs on prescription diets because the dog has a specific medical condition and really needs specific nutrition, and there aren't really any other options. It's like, well, if I don't want to feed this prescription diet, well, what else can I feed? Because I can't feed regular food, even regular raw or dehydrated food. So Natural Pet Pantry offers that as well. Uh, Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with more on The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk 1150. This is Julie Forbes, your host of The Dog Show. If you've been listening, you already know how I feel about Invisible Fence Northwest and their safety solutions for dogs. But get this, they help cats too. They tell me they've helped thousands of felines enjoy safe freedom outdoors or can keep them safe inside. They also have gentle ways to create a dog-free zone for your cat. So your dog will stay away from your cat's litter box and food bowls. Visit InvisibleFenceNW.com or call 800-800-FENCE and tell them you want the dog show discount. Invisible Fence for the life of your pet. 
Who is Jopra? What is Jopra? When is Jopra? Joe Janot is the host of a brand new show called Jopra. Joe has been nicknamed Jopra by his friends and colleagues who find his advice and insight to be enlightening, just like a certain other talk show host of World Without. Born and raised in Seattle, independent-minded Joe Janot is bringing issues to the airwaves that make you ponder, laugh, and deliberate. The Jopra Show is about the ins and outs of food and drink, relationships, entertainment, and so much more. Get to know Jopra every Thursday at 2, right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Camly Electric Incorporated is a full-service electrical contractor. From simple home repairs to full remodels, new construction, and small commercial projects, our qualified electricians do it all. We pride ourselves on our workmanship and professional standards, delivered with value in mind. Located in historic Ballard, Kemley Electric serves the greater Seattle metropolitan area. Licensed, bonded, and insured. Kemley Electric welcomes all inquiries about your electrical needs. Visit the website kemleyelectric.com. That's K-E-M-L-Y electric.com. Talk radio with a difference. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be back, as always. Had a great show. Um, If you missed any part of this show or any of our over 180 episodes now, you can find them archived online at dogradioshow.com. Just go to the podcast page on our website, and all of the shows will come up from the most recent at the top of the list. All the way down to our first show over three and a half years ago now. It's incredible that it's been that long. Um, And just click on the play button beneath the show that you want to listen to, and it will start to play from your computer. Just make sure your volume's on. Uh, You can also download the show for, for free from iTunes. So just go to their audio podcast section, search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, And uh, you can get all of our shows there as well. And you can actually download them there and then uh, take them with you on your iPod or whatever and uh, listen that way too. And uh, we are on Facebook. Uh, Be sure to become a fan of The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Facebook and become a part of the conversation in between our live shows every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. So I wanted to talk um, in this last segment today about uh, my area of expertise, which is dog training and behavior. And, um, you know, there's some things I find myself telling my clients a lot, uh, different clients, you know, main themes and what I'm seeing with what people, information people are lacking as far as how to effectively communicate with their dogs. And this one is probably the biggest one across the board, if I was to pick one. Um, And it's about communication. And, you know, the wonderful thing about this that I so appreciate about my clients, and this is through my business, Sensitive Dog, you can find me through um, through that business on my website, sensitivedog.com. I believe all dogs are sensitive. I don't just work with the sensitive dogs. Um, so the one thing I appreciate with my clients is that once they get this information, they're like, oh, that makes sense. And then they make the adjustment very quickly. And then therefore, then when that happens, the dog responds sometimes immediately. I was working with this man uh, yesterday. No, Monday, two days ago. And he has two dogs, uh, but it was one dog that we were working with. Um, 
long story short, he just moved up, moved to Seattle from Northern California and they lived in a house and they moved to a, uh, you know, high rise apartment downtown Seattle. And one of his dogs was like, oh, like what is going on here? Not happy about it, you know, having a hard time um, with the with the tight quarters, which is pretty common. Uh, you know, elevators having to deal with um, in order to get outside, having to walk down a hallway and go down an elevator and oftentimes share the elevator with other people and sometimes other dogs. Um, this client said that his floor has like eight dogs on it, which can be fun for dogs that do well with other dogs, especially on leash. And it can be a nightmare for people and their dogs who do not tolerate other dogs well on leash. Anyway, so that's what had him call me, and I met with him, and, um, you know, we worked on a lot of things around that. But as far as just training goes, he was telling me about the past training that he had done, and and they had worked with a um, trainer that used corrections in a fairly common way, which is what has given corrections such a bad name, and which is why a lot of the all-positive trainers uh, are very reactive about any type of correction and why they find themselves to be all positive, which I also think is missing is sort of lacking as well. Um, But it was a sort of a technique of if the dog doesn't do it, correct them. Well, sometimes that can be effective, but you know, corrections have to be used in a very and very intelligent way. And in, and in the presence of, somebody who is really listening closely to the dog and that the dog like to just make sure that that's what the dog needs. If you're going to give a correction that it's done in a way that's respectful and in a way that the dog um, needs. And also that, you know, the point is that communication is a two way street. So both on, so I'm a balanced trainer. I'm in the middle. Actually, I'm probably more on the positive side. I consider myself a positive trainer, but that that sort of has a, an attachment to it these days, which means all positive. And I do believe you have to set boundaries. I mean, dogs correct each other, which just seems ridiculous to me that there are never consequences. Um, but only when necessary and sparingly and, and done in a way that's fair and that the dog understands. But this thing that people don't, People often, at least my clients and my experience with my clients, is that the piece that most people are missing is that communication goes both ways. And most of the time I see people, whether they are all positive or whether they're using corrections, it just looks different, is that they, it's all input to the dog. It's all, the the communication is only going one way, human to dog. Ah, 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 ah. You know, whether the person is repeating the command over and over again and waving a treat in front of the dog, sit, 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 and then dog doesn't do it because it's distracted or doesn't want to or whatever the reason. And then the person gets a treat or pushes the dog's butt down or just repeats the command over and over again. And and then there's the other the other way or another way, which would be like with this client where he, w- he would say sit and then the dog wouldn't do it and he would snap the leash no, sit, dog didn't do it, snap the leash. No, sit, dog didn't do it, snap the leash. No, sit, and 
so it's, it's so they have the same feel of it's all human to dog and there's no room for communication from dog to human people are not listening to their dogs people are not slowing down and watching and observing and connecting to their dog and giving the dog time and space to have a thought process and actually make a choice i mean training is learning is education it's also communication you can't educate without communication you can't do anything without communication and and we really have to learn how dogs communicate what's their first language and the their first language has no words in it. Dogs are not verbal. If you look at a dog park or look at dogs interacting with each other, they're not sitting around sipping coffee, talking. Their communication is nonverbal. All of the ways, and we do as well, we just tend to forget about it because we get so caught up in our heads and our words. But when you're blabbing at your dog all of these different words and not connected to what you're doing with your body and how you're doing it and the quality of the energy that you're projecting and um, and also just not giving the time, the dog time to make a choice. You know, give a pause. Let there be some silence and watch your dog and let them think. If you know your dog knows sit, and especially this one happens usually with people with down. Most dogs will sit like, OK, fine, I'll do that. That's easy. But then when you ask them to lay down, it's like, well, that's asking a little bit more. What do you got for me? So then like you might have to have a treat or you might have to give a huge signal to get the dog to lay down. Well, try if this is the case, like my dog will lay down every time if I have a treat or if I give them a huge signal. And point to the ground, you know, and touch the ground with my hand. My dog will lay down. But if I don't do that, my dog won't do it. Try this. Get your dog in front of you. You can have a treat so that it's still in the picture. And kind of like show the dog the treat. And when I say show, I mean show your dog's nose the treat. So bring it right up to the dog's nose. (gasps) Ooh, get, get excited about what you have. Ooh, that's delicious. Don't you want that? Get the dog into it. And then say their name. And then say, down. And watch them. And just watch them. And just stand there. And watch them. Expecting them to do it, knowing that they understand the command. Let them do it on their own. Let them think about it. Let them make the choice themselves. Dogs just don't know how to... We're not working with dogs in a way that teaches them really how to think and make choices. Remember, true power is without force. So the most powerful way to get your dog to do something and the most desirable way is to not have to force them into it. Get them to do it under their own power and just see what your dog does. People tend to panic. The dog doesn't do what we ask them to do immediately. We panic and then we repeat the command over and over again or we place the dog in the position, push them down in or get a treat or da 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 and we're moving too fast. So we need to slow down and listen. So try that if you're having a hard time. You know your dog knows down, but they will only do it under certain situations. Put a little more pressure on them to think about it and see what they do. One of my favorite things to do with dogs is when they're at that point. And it's amazing to see how actually capable they are of making their own choices. We just don't give them the opportunity to. That is it for today. You can find us on Facebook, The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You can also find us online, dogradioshow.com, and on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday live at 2 p.m.